as does Beverly D'Angelo in the role of Patsy Cline. Tommy Lee Jones also delivers one of his best performances. Again, that's Coal Miner's Daughter on Wednesday, September 5th at 7.30 p.m. at the Hollywood Theater, 4122 Northeast Sandy Boulevard in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of Effect on Thursday and Friday, September 6th and 7th at the University of Oregon White Stag Block in Portland. Effect is a two-day conference that examines the work, culture, and design of social change. This grassroots event featuring stories from multiple marginalized activists, creators, and technologists working towards social change. Again, that's Affect on Thursday and Friday, September 6th and 7th at the University of Oregon White Stag Block. 70 Northwest Cooch Street in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. Good morning. You're listening to KBOO Portland. Coming right up, it's Lisa Loving on Political Perspectives today talking to members of New Avenues for Youth uh, their R- PAVE program, helping homeless and at-risk youth find skills and employment in the metro area. At 9.30, the Politics of Living explores what makes us happy and how to pay attention to our internal programming. At 10 o'clock, stay tuned for Air Cascadia, headlines, interviews, and camp commentary. At 10.15, it's Flashpoints with Dennis Bernstein. And at 11 o'clock, the bike show brings you news and views of cycling in Oregon and beyond. And if you didn't know it already, all these programs are made possible here at KBOO by your members' support. Uh, If you'd like to become a member, you can go to kboo.fm and click where it says Donate. And, by the way, uh, this KBOO program is made possible by KBOO member listeners and support from Oregon Symphony, located at 909 Southwest Washington Street in downtown Portland. Presenting Gary Trudeau, political cartoonist and creator of Doonesbury Comics, sharing from his latest book, Sad, Doonesbury in the Time of Trump, Tuesday, October 16th at 7.30 p.m. Tickets and more information available by phone at 503-228-1353 or online at orsymphony.org. Stay tuned for Politics of Living with uh, Lisa Loving. It's 9.02. You are listening to KBOO Portland. I'm Lisa Loving, and today, job training for houseless and at-risk youth. We are live in Studio 2 with Patrice Kuykendall, Lindsay Davis, and Amo Reyes Reyes from, promote, from Promoting Avenues to Employment. You can call it PAVE. This is a project of new avenues for youth. And um, Patrice, can we start with you? Sure. What is New Avenues for Youth? For people that don't already know, because you've been around for a few minutes, okay? Mm-hmm. Actually, you're one of the rooted organizations, I would say, organizing all of our communities. But talk about New Avenues. What do you do? New Avenues for Youth is a nonprofit located in Portland, Oregon, and we focus on uh, helping youth who are between the ages of 18 to 24 um, change their situation. And we focus on um, helping youth figure out how to uh, maneuver life as an adult. Um, and most of the youth that we are working with are youth who are currently experiencing um, housing insecurity or houselessness. And we're one of uh, four organizations in Portland um, who has this focus specifically on 18 to 24-year-olds um, who are houseless. And we're actually part of a, uh, a homeless youth and consortium. And so it uh, consists of outside in, new avenues for youth, uh, Naya and uh, Lindsay, what's the other one? Janice Youth Programs. And Janice Youth Programs. You know, one of the things I love about having people on the air is that sometimes once I know there's a big brain behind this stuff, I feel better. 
I just feel better. <laughs> I didn't know there was a whole consortium of people, um, work of organizations working around here. So I want to I want to come back to that point about the consortium and about this larger issue, so that we can hook our listeners up with how they can have a real deep impact on kids. You know, um, but I wanted to I wanted to ask Lindsay. We had talked a little bit earlier about. Um, like, how do we even define what is houseless or, or housing, you know, insecure? Talk a little bit about who are the kids you're trying to reach right now and get into this program. Listeners, this is on you. We're bringing the kids, okay? But Lindsay, talk about who you're trying to reach with this program. Yeah, very good question. Um, so housing instability looks very different for different people. So um, the way I define it is if you don't feel secure in where you're staying at night long term, then you're housing insecure. Um, even if your name is on a lease and you um, each month have trouble paying the rent or um have to like do a lot of planning and figuring out how you're gonna keep yourself in that lease situation that's housing insecure and unstable and then also folks who are in shelters folks who can't folks who are outside at night like all these folks are the people that we're trying to serve so um i think most you know we have they say like three thousand young people walk into um a service agency every year looking for um, employment support. We're looking for those three thousand people, and that's, that's who Portland we're here for. metro area. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me. I'm going to think out loud for a second because stop rattling those papers now. I know. I'm sorry. I, that's okay. Um, if you're listening, this is KBOO Portland. This is real live radio. We're actual human beings in this air room. None of us are. Well, I'm not paid to be here. You guys are. You're. You're actually doing your job as outreach people. But this is mm-hmm. real life. This is real mm-hmm. life happening in your ears. If you're listening right now. So listen up. This is a place where I feel like this specifically, the PAVE program, right? And New Avenues for Youth. You all actually build things that we don't read about all the time. You know, a lot of times we don't read about stuff that goes right. Do you understand me in the Absolutely. media? Or we don't hear about it. Amo, I haven't, I didn't get a chance to meet you so much in the lobby. Can you talk a little bit about your role in the program? And, and, and um, what do you think are some of the interesting, important issues that you see kids dealing with? Sure, absolutely. Definitely the most interesting thing that I, I see youth dealing with is um, the navigating, getting back on track with life, whether that means having a home again or whether that means having a job and stability with community. And I feel that new avenues and specifically promoting avenues to employment helps a lot with that. Primarily my job as a career coach, I'm a career coach slash um, social worker for, for PAVE. And what I do, I work, um, I do one-on-one with the, with the youth over up to three years time. I help them literally navigate employment. I help them um, basically, I can, it, it can be everything from helping them do what they want to do and um, or it could be navigating how to figure out what they want to do. And along the lines um, that involves like internships, trainings and certifications, but also I'll help. It's one of my favorite parts of my job is literally something is is basic and something that we might take for granted is having access to nice clothes that might be might be good for work or or a job interview. And you'd be surprised how putting on um, slacks or or a nice blouse or dress can really change the mood and change your vibe when you're in that environment. So even when when the youth step step into new avenues, new avenues for youth or the paid program, we like to set expectations that they're coming um, acting as if they're there for the job. So it's a really powerful moment to like teach, you know, teach all those levels of, uh, of moving back into their life. And you're dealing with kids in bulk. So let, let's just really quickly, um, this show is going to be a half an hour. So we want to make sure we ring all the bells of participation. Like how do you participate? How do you get your kids or the people that you think should be in this program? How do you get them up there? So can we talk a little bit about, so right now PAVE is having an application. Pro- Where are mm-hmm. we with PAVE? We're here on the air because people can apply. They can have their youth apply. Can we talk about what what's happening with that right now? What's happening with PAVE right now? Ooh, I got that one. Uh, Lindsay here. 
here. Uh, so we have orientations uh, on Tuesdays at two o'clock. Our downtown location, which is three one four Southwest Ninth Avenue, uh, we have orientation. So you just show up. You're seventeen to twenty four. You're looking for a job. You're interested in our programming. Just come meet us. We'll meet you. Um, one of my favorite parts about Pave and the way I like to describe the program is that we like to meet young people and help them figure out what works for them and what doesn't work for them. So that's kind of what we're here for. Um, and so that is like what you could just show up and say, hey, I'm here to learn about PAVE. It's two o'clock on a Tuesday downtown. Uh, let me know what you got. And we treat each individual as an individual. And then in our Eastern location, we actually just opened up a new center called the Youth Opportunity Center. It's on a campus that share, is shared with Boys and Girls Club, Rockwood, and um, Open School. And we have orientations there Thursdays at two. So basically, Tuesdays, Thursdays, two o'clock. Find a location. Come see us. Seventeen I, to twenty-four. I bet this costs a lot of money. <laughs> so, oh no, it's free. It's free. Yeah. In fact, we'll pay you generally. Um, we have internship. Work? Yeah, we have internship opportunities. We have employer business partner connections. Um, we also uh, help supply clothes, shoes, books, supplies. If it's for the job and you need it, we can most likely um, help you get connected to that. If you just tuned in, we are in live in studio two with Patrice Kuykendall, Lindsay Davis, and Amo Reyes from Promoting Avenues to Employment. You can call it PAVE. This is a project of new avenues for youth. We're talking about a free program for people aged 17 to 24. Is that what we said? Mm -hmm. And what we're talking about is people who have um, housing insecurity. You don't have to, you don't have to be fully um, living rough to participate in this program. And it is for young people. So you're looking for, you're looking for a self-directed young person. This isn't one of those you know can your mom come I'm putting no. that out. Can your mom come? Yeah, for autonomy, the answer to that is no. We we work with the young folks. Leave the parents at home, please. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are a parent and you have a young person that you think would be a good fit for the program, contact us. You can find all our contact information at newavenues.org or paveinfo at newavenues.org is the email address. What kind of jobs are we talking about? What do you think, Amo? Well, sure. Um, I'd like to focus just briefly on some of the bridge programs that, that we offer for the youth. And these are trainings to lead the youth into a profession that is in demand here in Portland, Oregon. And help me out if if, if y'all don't if I miss something. But IT and technology is pretty big. There's construction, there's manufacturing, and there's health. So I have I have youth interested in becoming a nurse or interested in coding, interested in developing websites. And as we can see, there's a lot of construction going on in Portland, Oregon, and that means that there are a lot of jobs. And there are a lot of um, professionals who are ready to retire, and I feel like there there aren't enough people to replace them. So it's a perfect time for youth to get into something like construction and move up the ranks into management. So these are all wonderful free programs that that we help the youth with, even with um, with the health with the health bridge we help with paying with some of the first with some of the courses at PCC and that starts pretty soon so if any youth are interested in the health bridge program please contact us as soon as possible so we do all that but we also um we have a partnership under new avenues for youth we have a couple businesses that we that we help run and that we offer internships for the youth. For instance, we have youth starting internships at Ben and Jerry's right now. And what's really cool about that is that Ben and Jerry's are already looking at even some of the youth starting the program in terms of moving up the ranks into management and how beautiful for some of these youth for it could be their first opportunity in in that environment and bam leaving our program they have a, a juicy little resume to look for an, another job <laughs> it's true i wanted to ask you who started pave where did the whole idea come from i mean i think that new avenues has they're all looking at me like no it's ancient it's like the stones outside it's ancient we don't know who started um new avenues for youth actually has a really important um um story of how it came along and that's why i'm always thinking of you know in this town you can't you can't assume that the stuff you're reading about or hearing about in the media is the only thing that's happening and that's why i'm just like i want grab more information i know you've got more information hidden i want to pull it out into the light um i know we had talked a little bit about how do we define what is 
housing insecure. Can you talk about that a little bit? With some of the young people that you've worked with, you know, it doesn't, again, it could be someone maybe who's bunked up with someone else. Can you just talk a little bit about the situations of the people that you work with? You know, um, what is most common? Um, And also, I mean, how can everyday people help? You're in the middle of this. The rest of us are kind of on the outside going, how, you know, what can we do? So talk a little bit about what kind of housing situations, you don't have to talk about specific people, but what are your clients coping with? That's what I'm trying to ask you. I think that's a really great question. So I've been with New Avenues um, for approximately a year. Prior to this, I mean, I've worked in youth development for the majority of my adult life, but um, specifically working with houses youth, that was a very new thing for me. Um, And something that I I learned and that was surprising to me and I think is probably surprising to most people that I talk to um, about the work that I do is that houselessness is not um, always defined as that person um, living on the street or uh, living under under a bridge or living on the side of the road. Houselessness can be something as simple as not knowing every day where you're going to sleep the next day. Houselessness could be um, living in a shared housing situation where your name isn't on a lease and at any time you can be displaced. Um, houselessness could look like um, staying on your friend's couch because you don't have um, your own roof over your head um, to go back to every day. Um, some of the the situations that we come across are um, youth who uh, maybe have aged out of the foster care system um, and they maybe left with uh, less tools and resources to adult well um, and so they're trying to figure that out they're trying to move over that we also have youth who um, are currently uh, in one of the many shelters that are in um, Portland and because even though they have a roof over their head in that shelter um, because that is not in their name because that is not um, something that is seen as stable that is sort of temporary um, crisis relief for them um, they are still they still fall under that umbrella of uh, being houseless. One of the uh, really neat things about New Avenues is that we take a holistic approach when we're working with our youths. And so um, we are from the employment department, but New Avenues also has a housing department. Um, They have people that focus on youth who are currently in the foster care system before they age out, um, trying to be uh, proactive to uh, provide resources for those youth so that they don't end up in that situation after um, they age out of foster care. Um, We have... uh, people who are focusing on helping youth get into college. Uh, We have a college program um, just for that reason. Um, We also have our drop-in center for youth who are um, just any youth who's just coming in off the street who need a hot meal, a community to hang out with, um, supportive adults around um, to to advise and to just be in their lives. Um, We also have our alcohol and drug counseling program as well. So we, we sort of do it all here at New Avenues for Youth. Um, I think your other question, and feel free to jump in at any time, but I think your other question around what can people do? How can you get um, get involved? Uh, so the first thing I will say is go to our website. It is newavenues.org. Uh, You'll click on that Get Involved tab, and on that tab there are several different ways that um, we ask people to help so that you can always volunteer. Um, There's lists of items that um, we're always looking for people to donate that we can distribute to our youth um, who may need them. Um, And there also we have, we run several fundraisers um, throughout the year as well. And so any information about getting involved can be found um, on that website, newavenues.org. I can jump. Oops. I know. I wanted to jump in and say, Lindsay, I think you've got a whole list of activities and events that you guys I are doing. Do. And we let's talk about this more than once. And she's being so quiet with the paper, y'all. <laughs> she's being so quiet with the paper. No, I'm. I'm. Th- this is such an important organization. Go. Yeah, so we talked about the different ways to get involved, and we have some really fun events that people can come to and enjoy yourself and also help our programs as well. The one that just happened is called Brews for New Avenues. It's one of my favorites. It's a rare beer auction um, that happens every single year in August. So that was two weekends ago, I think. Um, So you can look up Brews for New Avenues. We have a Facebook page. You can get ready for next August. Um, But the one that's coming up in October is the 17th annual Steve Allen Comedy Show starring Wanda 
Sykes. Ooh. So we have Wanda Sykes coming to town. And awesome. um, you can buy tickets. Go to our website, newavenues.org. That's October 17th. And it's the 17th time we've had it, too. And then tonight, we have something you can come to in the Pearl. Um, the Different Pigeon Collection. Oh, we haven't talked about Different Pigeon. We should talk about Different Pigeon. Sure. So I'll tell you what that it's is It's not the same pigeon. It's a yeah. different it's pigeon. It's literally <laughs> a different <laughs> pigeon. Just checking um, But for context, we actually have two people in the room wearing different pigeon shirts. Uh, shout out to the Different Pigeon Program. It's um, a collective of artists at New Avenues. It's young folks who um, use art to reach the community. Um, we put the art on t-shirts and we sell the t-shirts. Um, that's a really cool website to check out. Different Pigeon pigeon.com d-f-r-n-t so different doesn't have vowels pigeon p-i-g-e-o-n.com it's a fun website they have a manifesto check it out um, but tonight they uh, launched their newest collection and it's a makerspace homecoming so it's a homecoming for the young folks who have been making this art for the last few years um, and it's also a collection launch for the newest collection and it's a community event um, it's tonight from 5 to 7 at 1445 Northwest Lovejoy Street. So come see us. We'll be there. And we're going to be wearing the shirts. <laughs> if you just tuned in, you're listening to KBOO Portland. We have live in Studio 2 Patrice Kuykendall, Lindsay Davis, and Amo Reyes from New Avenues for Youth. We're talking about their program that is called PAVE, which is promoting avenues to employment. PAVE deadlines are coming up right now for young people who want to participate with this program. Listeners, you're sharing this information, right? You're saying to people, hey, you're, you know, that kid needs support, send them to newavenues.org, right? Or her or them, right? We're counting on you to do this. But we also want to look at some of these wider issues about um, our young people. God, we love y'all. We love y'all. Yeah. I I want to stop and say, as a very old woman right now, at, you know, last December I realized I qualify for the free and the, for the senior discount at Denny's. Okay, yes. I had to stop and think. <laughs> I had to stop and think about life. That changed everything for me. And I'm thinking about all of you know walking down the street in the 21st century in the United States. There's so many things I thought would be different, right? Yes. Kids opportunities are one of those things. And I wanna I wanna put it to you, Amon. This is the hardest question. I'm not going to cry saying it, okay? I'm not going to cry saying it, but I'm going to put this out. I think some of our best and brightest are some of these kids. Yes, Some absolutely. of the best and brightest people in our society are people that are not supported by society. What difference does it make for everyone else in society that we support these beloved kids that don't have the resources they need? How does it impact everybody? How is my mom in um, her trailer down there outside of Turlock impacted by this? Yes, absolutely. Um, well, first, I do want to. I do want to mention. Actually, I want to quote one of our youth, who made a powerful statement when asked, um, "What would you like the community to know about being youth and being houseless?" And he said something so powerful that I had to like turn and cry and not let him see me do it. <laughs> but he. But they said, um, "I want people to know that." homeless houselessness is not a it's not a choice but a matter of circumstance and i feel that that's a really to hear that from a from a youth um it's a really powerful moment for us all to come together on and to understand that it's not it's not an issue that that lies solely on these single youth not only do they very powerfully create community and help one another but they are very obviously reaching out to us, stepping into new avenues for youth. And what I mean by that is they're reaching out to the greater city of Portland for the resources and help. So I do feel that, as, like as you said, not only as an elder, but as a citizen of Portland, Oregon, it's our responsibility to come together and help these youth to understand that they're worthy and that, they're, and that they have multiple unlimited options for like a positive productive future where they can help themselves and perhaps one day it can loop around and they can they can give back to the community that would be a beautiful moment but in order to get there we all need to help right now so that and i do want to also close the loop on the three businesses that we've mentioned different pigeon and we mentioned ben and jerry's but i also want to mention inc which is our graphic design company that um the youth can um internship with and correct me with i'm wrong um i i was told that they they had to deal with Nike. They they designed some stuff for Nike. I maybe this is something that a youth told me, so I apologize if I'm wrong. But that's um, nonetheless, I think that's really powerful. So um, I'm working. We're working our hardest to let these youth know that they're in control of their future with the help of uh, from us. 
All right. Um, we're thinking about the possibility of running out of show now. So I'm going to start asking some of the other questions that are like my aspirational questions because what I really want to ask you three, you already, I already, I'm out as an old lady and you all are young, okay? What do you wish you had in this work? I'm looking at you three. I'm saying you've got at least 20, 30, 40 years more in this, in this um, ev- avenue of endeavor, helping our some of our best and brightest kids find um you know get wings on their ideas and stuff what do you wish you had i'm starting with you patrice Mm. i think you're the boss i'm just naming you the boss i don't know why i'm naming you the boss i am not the boss okay (laughs) you can be the boss patrice (laughs) all right Um, what do so the question is what do i wish that we had in this work yeah what is there a tool for helping kids in portland oregon or south dakota or wherever that you wish you had Mm -hmm. for us out here thinking maybe we'll come up with some idea so, so often, more and more, um, also I should mention, I'm our job readiness trainer. Um, I teach the job readiness training class. Um, and part of that is bringing in um, community members who are doing the work that the youth want to do. Um, that That is always so powerful when we get an invite to somebody's company, somebody's workplace, and we can actually physically take the youth there, have them walk around, have them see themselves in that working environment, because so much of um, helping youth get employment is convincing them that, hey, you belong here. You mm-hmm. can be a part of the workforce. Yeah. So often they've been overlooked, they've been ignored, and their self-esteem has been affected by the looks, the the, the things that people say to them when they're out on the street. And so when they come to new avenues, we're telling them, you're worthy, you deserve a job, you can do this. And so I think that the more that we can get community business partners who um, maybe have their own business or who are passionate about the field that they're in, come in and um, talk to our youth, come in and invite our youth to do job shadows, to come do a job site tour. Um, those are always the really um, special nuggets that I find um, uh, those moments uh, where youth are seeing themselves for the very first time and thinking, hey, I think I could be a construction worker. Hey, I think I could work at the Portland uh, Theater of the Arts. Um, and, And sometimes it sets off a light bulb that they never even knew that they had a passion to do something until they're actually physically there and doing that. So to answer your question, my opinion, I think having just more people be involved and know that um, being involved doesn't necessarily mean um, donating a toothbrush. It can sometimes just be sharing what your passion is with the young people um, that are in our community. All right. And I want to come, I want to go through and ask both of you that as well, and then come back and talk about the contact information. Lindy, what do, Lindsay, what do you wish you had in dealing with these wonderful kids and yeah. our, the rest of us too, because we're all part of this community? Well, the list is very long and Patrice got a lot of it. So thanks for starting that off, Patrice. Um, I think what I wish I could have in this is, um, I would say more flexibility to trust young people as being the experts in their own lives, because so often that's missing. And I think one thing that PAVE has been very committed to doing um, in the last few years that I've been there is really centering that youth voice and knowing that it's them living their lives and that we're just kind of there to help support them. Like, we're not trying to change them. We're not trying to fix them. They're not broken. Um, And so we continually develop programming and um, create business partnerships and employer partnerships with um, community members who also genuinely believe that. Um, So we're really in the business of finding business partners and community members who want to trust young people and they want to collaborate with them. I love how you said that, the kids are not broken. Society, I'm just going to put this on the table, society's kind of broken. In a minute, Amo, in a minute, what do you wish you had? If we could conjure up something that you could have right now to do this work more effectively, what would it be? Sure. I feel we have a strong community outside of New Avenues, but I'd like to challenge the audience to take that a step further. If you see someone who who might be struggling or might be houseless, just check in and say hello. There's a lot you can do besides handing someone money. Just be kind. Say hello. Make friends with with your neighbor. And yes, they, they are your neighbors no matter their living conditions. So that's something that I'd like to request to have greater community 
for the youth to to help them understand that this is their city too. Amazing. Okay, we're running out of show. We've got a cool event tonight with these people, some other pigeon. What is it called again? <laughs> Different pigeons. Different pigeons. That's amazing. Um, we have this job, um, these job programs. You need to contact newavenues.org to get your kids, to get these kids that you know about signed up for that program. We've got events. We've got, we need more businesses. We need more entrepreneurs calling up New Avenues and saying, hey, come and visit me. And um, did you have one more thing? Yeah, to say? we're really looking for businesses east of 82nd Avenue. Oh so if God. that's you, find us. We, um, yes. We're looking for businesses wanting to hire our folks east of 82nd. Thanks to our guests, Patrice Kuykendall and Lindsay Davis and Amo Reyes from PAVE, New Avenues for Youth. Thank you. I'm Lisa Loving. For more about their work, go to newavenues.org. This has been Political Perspectives. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, come back tomorrow. It's the Happy Membership Partay. It's KBOO, KBOO Portland. Stay tuned in just about half a minute for the politics of living. Air Cascadia follows at 10. Have you wondered what volunteering at KBOO is like? Do you want to get more involved with your community radio station? KBOO's Fall Membership Drive begins Thursday, September 6th, and runs through Saturday, September 22nd. We need volunteers to answer the phone lines throughout the drive. You can make a huge difference with your participation, helping listeners become members. It's a great way to support KBOO while getting a behind-the-scenes view of how we work at our busiest time. Email Ani at volunteer at kboo.org or call 503-231-8032 extension 213 to find shifts that work for your schedule. Thank you for supporting KBOO Portland. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Politics of Living. I'm your host, Vicki Mazzone. This program takes a look at the politics and all that we experience in life. From exploring what makes us happy, to civil rights and environmental issues, to family dynamics, politics impact our daily lives. On today's show, M.L. Laurie further explores the idea of ingrained ways of thinking and what it means to pursue happiness. Kristen Thiel presents two activists from Mexico, one from the early 20th century and one from the early 21st century. But first, a conversation with researcher and expert Kate Lavender on the famous Lizzie Borden trial of 1892. Lizzie Borden was arrested as a suspect in the axe murders of her father and stepmother in Fall River, Massachusetts. And even though Lizzie was acquitted at the trial, it was always believed that she committed the murders. Kate Lavender is a screenwriter, documentary maker, and podcaster. She is researching the Lizzie Borden case and hopes to create a documentary of the trial. Kate has read all 3,000 pages of the trial transcripts. You've done a lot of research on the Lizzie Borden trial. Uh, Lizzie Borden, the famous trial of 1892 and 1893 in Fall River, Massachusetts, where she hacked her stepmother and her father to death. What was it about this case, because so much has been written about it, so much has been covered and, and not covered, what was it about this case that drew your attention? Well, I love anything that has to do with spinsters. I love unsolved cold cases. And this trial had something for everyone. It is a delicious piece of Americana at a time in our history where law, medicine, and forensics intersected in the late 1890s. Um, and because it's not solved, I thought if I read enough about it and studied it, I might be able to figure out what really happened. So you've read all of the 3,000 pages of the trial transcripts. What sort of things did you find out, and what do you think people might be surprised about 
there's so many great things that come out of this trial that um, people would might be surprised to to know. Well, one of the things is that the autopsy showed that Abby Borden had been dead for 90 minutes before Andrew died. So that makes you wonder if there was an intruder that came in and found her upstairs in the guest room, committed this brutal murder of cutting her with a hatchet for like 19 blows, and then hid somewhere where the maid and Lizzie didn't see him, waiting for Andrew to walk in so he could kill him. So Andrew was her father and... Abby was the stepmother. The stepmother. And so you think that while the stepmother was being killed first, somebody would have heard the commotion, somebody would have come to investigate, somebody would have had... Yeah. There would have been some kind of discovery of this thing. Yes. And they did try to introduce Stranger Theory based on the fact that the Jack the Ripper killings just two years before that had so much publicity, they thought some crazed man was out there running around... I think that's what they were planning on, that she couldn't have possibly done it, this little delicate woman. Because back then it was different. Women didn't vote yet. Uh, We didn't have a lot of rights. But apparently the Borden sisters, um, Lizzie and her older sister, Emma, they did not realize that their parents had been buried without their heads until they were already in the courtroom and that was revealed to them. And you can imagine what that must have been like. Why didn't they bury their parents with their heads? They wanted to do some forensic studies on them. So they had to boil off the hair and the skin. And it was kind of gruesome. I I feel so bad for, for Dr. Dolan, who was the... Um, he, he was the doctor there, the medical examiner that had to do that. When you look at those pictures of the skulls and you see the giant holes in the heads, uh, it, it kind of really makes you think differently about whoever did that. Some people think Lizzie did it. Some people don't think she did it. That's what's so fun about this case is that everybody has their own opinion. Lizzie herself only testified once during the trial. And also, what is the inquest testimony? Is that is that her testimony? That's her testimony, and it's also some of the other witnesses that were there during that first week or so, or actually the first 48 to 72 hours, there was quite a few people being interviewed. The inquest comes from the coroner's inquest, and it was a really fascinating character study. It revealed a lot about what happened that day. I felt that the district attorney did a really good job of interviewing her. And if you're reading into it and you're looking for her subtext and her character and her behavior, that's the only time you can really study Lizzie herself. And I knew I had to record that and make that available to other people. It's just so fascinating to hear her. She's an intriguing woman. So, and yeah. what you've done uh, to make the transcripts come alive is you've chosen parts of the transcripts to be reenacted by actors. Uh, well, how do you choose which ones and how do you get the actors for the speaking parts? Well, I do the research first and I read it from the point of view of a screenwriter. And because some of this testimony is so compelling, and it's so fascinating and dramatic that I can look at it and say, this would make a great scene. And I know that what actors would be great for this. And I'm really lucky because I found a fabulous Lizzie uh, and a fabulous uh, district attorney. And they're right here in Portland. And I found them through Facebook. And I did not know anything about Facebook or how to use it. I was brand new to it. I had to get involved with social media just so that I could, you know, get out there, get my name out there and and have people know what I was doing. So you have a a history of podcasting and documentaries and screenwriting. Your goal is to visit Fall River, Massachusetts, where the Bordens lived and where the murders happened. Your plan is you are raising money to go to Fall River, look at the site. And so what is your plan once you get there? Is there a documentary in the works? 
Yes, to all of that, I am definitely trying to get there. I've never been there, and I don't want to be the only Lizzie Borden podcaster slash writer, documentary maker that's never actually been there. But I, but I think I would be so much better uh, at really deciphering this enormous trial and its implications in history if I could study there at the Historical Society. They have a huge collection of Lizzie Borden primary source documents that relate to the trial, all kinds of paraphernalia that relate to the trial, all, a lot of experts. I could, you know, stay at the house and ask questions. and. So that's the plan. Go up there, mm-hmm. do all the research, actually see the site, uh, work with the Historical Society, and then would you take a camera up there too? Oh, yeah, I would take my camera. And uh, just like I have been doing, I'd film everything that I could, you know, maybe even catch a spirit or two. That would be fun. Well, you know, New England's full of ghosts. You never know. That's what I hear. Yeah. (laughs) We're also going to have links to some of the trial transcripts that you've reenacted. Where can people go to find out more information? Well, people can find me on Facebook. Uh, Of course, Kate Lavender. Uh, I'm sure we put... Lizzie Borden, my name would come right up. The GoFundMe account is GoFundMe.com. Send me to Fall River. I'm trying to get about $2,000 or so, you know, for my airfare to stay there for a week. I see myself as getting up early and doing all the things I have to do to get capture moments, to take notes and educate myself and learn more about it. What do you think at this point? Do you think Lizzie did it or you're just not sure? I really do think she did it, but... And from what I can tell by reading the transcripts, it was a conspiracy between her and her older sister and the maid. And I know there's lots of things that make it look like they they didn't have it that way, but there were so many coincidences that just happened to happen. Like, for example, they did it on the day when the, all the officers were at the Rocky Point Clambake and only 10% of the police force was on duty that day. <laughs> you know, lots of little coincidences. That I'm pretty sure that she did that. What was the reason behind the crime? Why were the Bordens killed? The sisters were really afraid they were going to be disinherited if for some reason the Andrew Borden died first all the property and the money would go to the stepmother and they were not on good terms with the stepmother. So I think they thought they would be disinherited and they would only receive a small amount of money to live on and they didn't want to take that chance. This is fascinating and let us know what you find out. Thank you so much for having me and I know once I'm finished Kabu is going to let me have a, a big listening party here and everybody can come and listen to it and if they want to donate five or ten dollars that would be great um, and hopefully they can leave with something um, I'm not quite sure if they're going to live leave with a CD or digital download that's what I'm working on so that I can get this done great. I know people are anxious to hear it well thank you very much really appreciate you taking the time with us thank you so much for having me Vicki You can find out more about Kate Lavender's research by going to Kate's Facebook page at facebook.com slash lavender011. Lavender is spelled L-A-V-E-N-D-E-R. And the GoFundMe site is gofundme.com slash River. Next up, The She-Ra Solution. It is a monthly biography of women past and present. Its title is inspired by Maria Teresa Hart's article, She-Ra and the Fight Against the Token Girl, published by The Atlantic. In today's segment, Kristen talks about two women from Mexico. First, a woman from the early 20th century who took to the streets and the airwaves to organize for women and children's civil rights. The other woman is a modern-day Mexican. She's both a scientist and a politician, and she's just become the first elected female mayor in Mexico. I took a quick look at some population figures, and at least as far back as 1950, Mexico has been majority female. A slim majority, but a majority nonetheless. Yet it took till 2018 for a woman to be elected mayor of the country's biggest city, Mexico City, also of course one of the world's largest metropolises, at almost 9 million people. Claudia Scheinbaum Pardo won the mayoral election by more than a sliver. She earned nearly 50% of the vote. 
within a field of seven candidates. Polls conducted close to the election indicated that none of her opponents would individually earn even 20% of the vote. She will take office December 1st. A woman has led the city once before. Rosario Robles was mayor from 1999 to 2000. But Scheinbaum Pardo will be the first one who was elected by the people. Robles, you see, took power because her predecessor resigned. After spending four years at the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory in Berkeley, California, Scheinbaum Pardo worked as a scientist and environmentalist in Mexico. Her mother, too, was a scientist, a chemist. Until her mayoral campaign, Scheinbaum Pardo was an environmental engineer at the National Autonomous University of Mexico. She considers this education and her work experience key to her success in politics in Mexico City. For one thing, some of the city's largest problems are environmental. For example, the city's susceptible to earthquakes, and it's sinking. For another thing, Scheinbaum Pardo sees her adherence to the scientific method as quite applicable to politics. She told Science Mag, quote, Training in physics makes you always look for the root causes. Why is something happening? That's fundamental for politics. And then engineering is much more focused on the how. How can I solve it? Scheinbaum Pardo ran for office with some concrete solutions. Mexico City's Spanish colonizers drained the lake on which the city now sits, and most of its water is pumped from the lake bed, from beneath the city. That's what's causing it to sink, and that's in large part what's leading to earthquakes. Scheinbaum Pardo suggests overhauling the distribution network, which will help prevent leaks, building water recycling treatment plants, subsidizing rainwater collection systems. Mexico City also has an environmental issue above ground. 70% of the city's greenhouse gas emissions come from vehicles. Scheinbaum Pardo wants a public transportation system worthy of such an important city and stricter emission standards for privately owned vehicles. Scheinbaum Pardo sees this work as benefiting not just the planet, but also its people. She aims to reduce inequality in access and services. These goals stem from her decades of left-wing politics and activism. As a student in the 1980s, she helped start the first left-wing opposition party, Partido de la Revolución Democrática. Most recently, she was an early convert to the leftist party named Morena, which started in 2014. Scheinbaum Pardo is also Mexico City's first Jewish mayor. Her grandparents immigrated from Lithuania and Bulgaria. 40,000 Jews live in Mexico. More than 3,000 women ran in local and national elections in Mexico this year. Such a noticeable thing that people started calling the 2018 election season El Año de la Mujer, the Year of the Woman. Scheinbaum Pardo's work, from her days as an activist student through her careers in environmental science and politics, has been all about civil rights, justice, progress. She follows in the footsteps of many like-minded and like-acting women, one of them being Maria Rebecca Latigo de Hernandez, whose 122nd birthday was celebrated with a Google Doodle in July of this year. Hernandez was born in Garza Garcia, near Monterrey, Mexico, but she made her life's contributions as an immigrant in San Antonio, Texas. Hernandez quickly realized that women and children of Mexican heritage were disproportionately negatively affected by economic discrimination and segregation in schools in the area. She co-founded Orden Caballeros de America, Order of the Knights of America, which was a resource for Mexican Americans to learn about their rights. She helped form the Asociación Protectora de Madres, the Association for the Protection of Mothers, which provided financial aid to pregnant women. And she formed La Liga de Defensa Pro Escolar, the School Defense League, which fought to racially integrate schools. Though Hernandez focused on elevating fellow Mexican-American immigrants, her work clearly transcended support for just one people. It served 
all who were politically, socially, economically depressed, oppressed. Hernandez did not just take to the streets to organize. She also took to the airwaves. One of the many reasons I like her. On the Voz de las Americas radio program, she promoted the League of United Latin American Citizens, a Latino civil rights organization. Doing so made her San Antonio's first Mexican-American female radio announcer in 1932. I'm your host, Kristen Thiel, and I'll be back next month. Contributor M.L. Laurie explores the idea of happiness and how we can change our thinking. In this month's installment of Let's Stop for a Minute, here's M.L. Laurie. So let's stop for a minute. Let's think about this. Previously, I presented that it is reality that each human being, aside from their genetic physical makeup, is only different due to the software programs or learned ways of thinking they are taught. I presented an example of an easy-to-see faulty software program. This software program was the faulty way of thinking that believes that each member of any group of people can all be seen as the same, whether the group is based on their religion, race, sex, place of birth, or any criteria. The incorrectness of this thinking is evident if for no other reason than each of us have our own individual mind, have been taught different software programs or ways to think, and have our unique experience with whatever environment we have been exposed to, no matter what group we can be lumped into. So to lump any group of people together and say they are the same is illogical and a faulty way of thinking. It has no basis in reality. This includes the faulty idea that if you don't like someone from a particular race, religion, or some group, that it is valid to think that each person who belongs to that group is the same as the one you don't like, and therefore you are justified in not liking anyone who belongs to that particular group. This is not a valid way of thinking. These are definite examples of faulty software programs. In the last reflection, I left you with two important questions. Is it possible to let go of, change, or unlearn the software programs that cause you to be unhappy? And the bottom line, do you want to be happy? Let's stop for a minute and think about all of this. Do you think that everyone wants to be happy? What is happiness? What causes you to feel happy? Is it possible to have a stable sense or feeling of happiness? Why do you think people make the choices they make in their lives? Every choice we human beings make is based on our desire to be happy. I say every because even if it is illegal and sometimes hurtful, the end game is to be happy, whether that is getting the money we need to get what we think will make us happy or simply allowing someone in our life that may not be supportive, even unkind, because somehow we think having them in our lives will make us more happy. If you talk to people about their choices, you will find somehow they are making the choices they are to be more happy. This is reality. We are on a constant search outside of ourselves for happiness, whether that is through different people, objects like cars and clothes, trying to be successful in some way, or approval, acceptance, or love from someone. So how does this relate to our software programs? If you have a software program that causes you to feel unhappy, do you want to keep it? We cannot exactly unlearn what we have been taught, but we can let go of, and thereby change, faulty programs, especially the ones that cause us to experience unhappiness or some unpleasant feeling. If we all are constantly making choices that will help us be happy, then why would someone hold on to a software program, a way of thinking that causes them to feel sad, anxious, frustrated, angry, or any emotion that prevents a sense or feeling of being happy? So the question is, do you want to be happy, and if so, what are you willing to do to get rid of the software programs, your learned ways of thinking, that interfere with your happiness? Again, do you think it's possible to let go of or change an unpleasant software program? Yes, it is possible to change our programs. This is reality. We have all changed software programs before and just didn't realize it. So where do we begin? Well, the first step to this change, or letting go, is to become aware of our software programs, our learned ways of thinking that are such a part of us that we often are not aware that they are even there. So stop for a minute and think about all of this. How do we become aware of our software programs? Which of our software programs interfere the most with our happiness? Stop for a minute. Think about it. I'm M.L. Laurie. Well, that is all the time we have for this episode of The Politics of Living. Thanks to our guests and our contributors, Kristen Thiel, 
M.L. Laurie, and Kate Lavender. Also, thanks to our creator, Denise Kowalczyk. Visit kboo.fm and search for The Politics of Living, Episode 19, to find links about today's topics and guests. All feedback, comments, and suggestions can be emailed to tpol at kboo.org. The Politics of Living show is currently looking for contributors and guests. For more information, please email tpol at kboo.org. Thanks for listening to The Politics of Living. I'm Vicki Mazzone. We're going to close out with a song by Aretha Franklin, the Queen of Soul. This is Spirit in the Dark. In the spirit in the dark, I'm getting the spirit in the dark. People moving, oh, moving. Just getting the spirit in the dark.
Kebu Community Radio is proud to co-sponsor the 13th annual Dancing in the Square American Indian Day Celebration Pow Wow on Friday, September 7th from noon to 7 p.m. at Pioneer Courthouse Square in Portland. American Indian Day is a traditional showcase and celebration of American Indian and Alaskan Native cultures and community, which raises awareness concerning the challenges that Native American people face in this country. This event features vendors, educational booths, food, entertainment, and more. Again, that's Dancing in the Square American Indian Day Celebration Powwow on Friday, September 7th from noon to 7 p.m. at Pioneer Courthouse Square, 700 Southwest 5th Avenue in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. Portland. Here comes Air Cascadia. Stay tuned. KBOO programming is made possible by KBU member listeners and support from Columbia Land Trust, conserving and connecting people with the nature of the Northwest. More information, including tours, events, and volunteer opportunities online at columbialandtrust.org. Good morning, Cascadia. Today is Wednesday, September 5th, 2018, and you're listening to KBOO Portland, Community Sanctuary Solidarity, at 90.7 FM, KBOO.FM. Weather for the uh, Cascadia region today, sunny and uh, highs around 89. Um, not much in the way of wind tonight, clear skies. And um, lows around 58 for tomorrow. Sunny, highs around 84. A starry night with um, temperatures in the 50s. That's it for your weather, for your Cascadia. And if you want to keep it yours, it's going to be a fight to the finish should Brett Kavanaugh be confirmed. And it's an absolute dead certainty right now that he will be. Speaking of your Cascadia, how about your Cascade, Greater Cascadia Radio, your community, your radio station, and it is your membership.